Sailing God's People at SailingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We want you to tune into the podcast as we go on to the work of the ministry, to the perfecting of the saints, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There, it's mandatory or essential that we know the work of the ministry, which is understanding of the times. Just as Issachar, which on that first row and that breastplate of judgment, you had the Sardius there, which was Judah. And the second tribe there in facing eastward was Issachar. So you had Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. Then Judah, of course, the line of the tribe of Judah, the standard being that line. Then we had Issachar. And we find a very interesting scripture talking about the understanding. And we've been talking about in the previous podcast the mystery of wisdom, the hidden wisdom that God had ordained for the glory of the church in 1 Corinthians 2. And that mystery that mystery of godliness, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as we go back to and just take a quick look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and we'll talk about this hidden wisdom. What is the work of the ministry? Where are we, the body of Christ, headed? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, I be it, Paul said to the church at Corinth, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, perfect, there is a mindset, as we mentioned before, perfection. Paul said, I'm not perfect yet, neither have I already attained. But I'm trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ, reaching forth of those things which are before, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As many as be perfect, be thus minded. So it's the mind and the heart that is setting the affections on the things above and not on the things beneath that the Lord deems perfect. Not being at ease in Zion, but stirred up with seeking God with all of our heart. Not calling him Lord, Lord, and not doing the things that he tells us and the proceeding word of God. That proceeding word is walking in the light as Jesus, as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another, blood flow, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When we look there at this wisdom, wisdom among them that are perfect, simply Paul is stating that only those that have a pure heart toward God, that perfect heart toward God, are going to be able to see this hidden wisdom. Um, we know it's all in Christ, the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. For we have that mystery of the Father, that mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. And Paul goes on and tells us to this full acknowledgement of this understanding of the full 
assurance of understanding the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. And it seems like there would be two there. But the mystery of God is that God is a spirit. And of the Father, Father is the spirit, unseen. Invisible spirit of God that is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God Almighty. But it's a mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Christ is the Father of glory. He is God. He always has been God. And we see that revelation given to Peter. And Peter in his epistle states in 1 Peter 1 verse 10 and 11 that the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. The Spirit there is capitalized, which is the invisible Spirit of God, that is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God Almighty. Christ is that God in every office. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Elohim. He is the Lord Jehovah. He's El Shaddai. Christ is all. But that God Almighty to save mankind took upon him the form of a servant. Christ, being God, took upon him the form of a servant. And that's exactly what Peter says in his epistle in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11 that the Old Testament prophets, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets, all the way to Malachi, searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching or seeking what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. That Spirit is Christ. When it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. So the searchings done of God in the Old Testament and all the prophets were done by the Spirit of Christ that was in them. That Spirit is capitalized because it's deity, it's God Almighty. But then he said, when it testified beforehand, of the sufferings of Christ. So Christ, in this mystery, is going to take on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. God himself is going to humble himself to the death, the death of the cross. So the height, depth, length, and width of Christ that we are to know in the knowledge of God is that Christ is God Almighty. First and foremost, he's always been God in his height. He is the Father of glory. In the depth, he became a man. A man made in under the law, just like us as our kinsman redeemer. And then the breadth and the length is Christ in you, Christ in, um, in the believers, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the height and depth is that God was manifest in the flesh. And then after glorification, 
gave us of his spirit, the spirit of his son, Galatians 4, 6, and where he sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That spirit of the Father is the spirit of the Son, only one spirit. So to know the height, depth, length, and width of Christ is to know that Christ is God. He also took on the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, glorified after the death, burial, and resurrection, and came back Christ in you, the hope of glory in the believer. Now, with that said, Paul goes on and says that this wisdom among them that are perfect. He tried to speak that Melchizedek, king priesthood, work of the ministry in Hebrews 5, but said these things are hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. And when you need to be teachers, you ought to be teachers, you have need again to be taught the first principles of the oracles of Christ. The babies are unskillful in the word of righteousness, but he that is of full age is weaned from the milk, having their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. He's talking about, I can only speak this hidden wisdom, this work of Christ, this work of the ministry through Christ, through you, the believer. Just as Paul said, I was crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That faith is God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not a short measure. Whatever he's called you to do in the body of Christ, he has enabled you by his Spirit to be able to obtain that work, that will of God in your life. For God worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's fitly framed you in that body of Christ, compacted together whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. So every individual member in the body of Christ has a work to do. This wisdom He's speaking in the work of the ministry and said it's only the them that are perfect that can hear it. He goes on and says, it's not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now we know the mystery in all things is Christ in you, the mystery of godliness. But the work of that ministry, what is the body of Christ called to do that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints? And not only does it stop there for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith. Every denominational wall broke down. Broken down for the knowledge of the Son of God. That knowledge is not gnosko, it's epigonosko. A much higher glory than just knowing Jesus in a Pentecostal fashion. It's knowing Him in the work of the ministry unto a perfect man. 
and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, doing the will of God. And he says, we speak this wisdom, the wisdom of God, in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom. Now we know everything hidden is hidden in Christ. That's a mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in him, are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now the glory is his, and he will share his glory with no one. God's glory and God's kingdom is his. But we, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, escape the corruption of the world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature, of his kingdom, of his glory. And Paul's speaking this in a mystery. And he says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him, but is revealed by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now the things that we're talking are the things of faith, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and the revelation of Jesus Christ to be fulfilled in the sevens, in perfection, in the last days, that the body of Christ will come unto perfection before the second coming of Jesus Christ, before the second advent, before he descends from heaven with a shout, with the voice of their archangel and the trump of God, before the dead in Christ rise first, and we are caught up together to meet them in the air. This is a great work. It is the last great reign of his strength called the latter rain. In Zechariah 10.1, it says, Ask you of the Lord, reign in the time of the latter rain. Now we have to know the time, the times and the seasons that God has put in his own power. In Leviticus 23, we have the feast of the Lord. They are not the feast of Israel. They are not the feast of the church. They are, in truth, the feast of the Lord. And this is how we eat the flesh of Jesus and drink the blood of the Son of Man. And there are seven feasts of the Lord that we, as the body of Christ, must enter into. Most have partaken of one, two, maybe three or four feasts, but do not realize that these are shadow of things to come, which is faith revealed. And that salvation to be revealed in the body of Christ to the praise of God's glory. Now, what is this hidden wisdom? What is this mystery that Paul says we can only speak to them that are perfect, that have this mindset that we must press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Now the feast of the Lord or Moed are divine appointments of God with man. And we have seven of those which are shadow of things to come. Feast of Passover, the death of Jesus, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the burial of Jesus. And unleavened, because he's going to be declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. First fruits, Feast of First Fruits. Why? Because he's the first begotten from the dead. That he has the preeminence in all things. That is the first season with three feasts. Then we go to the second season of the Feast of Weeks. The Feast number seven, Sheba, seven weeks. And on the morrow, 50. And 50, Pentecost, 50 days. And you number seven weeks from first fruits, Feast of First Fruits. And on the morrow shall be a Feast of Weeks. And that Feast of Weeks is what we call now Pentecost. There, Jesus fulfilled every week in the days of his flesh and every feast of the Lord has been fulfilled. The sun, moon, and stars for signs, seasons, days, and years has been accomplished on the cross and you are complete in Jesus Christ and have no need of anything else. He has paid it all by his holy, precious, righteous blood. Howbeit, we, the body of Christ, still have to experience that, what he paid for. The experiential is that we partake of these feasts, eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. But we have to be astute and searching for the Lord God and seeking for him with all of our heart. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it'll be open to you. And that seeking is continually seeking. Knock and it'll be open to you. Keep knocking and seeking. And that the Lord says, and you shall be filled. Those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. It's something we have to do. He did not say, he that seeketh, and you know, after righteousness, he says, though that do, do hunger and thirst. It's something that we have to do. These works that accompany salvation and doing these works that please God and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Now, what is this mystery? What is the work of the ministry? What is this unity of the faith that we all come into one, which is the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world, to gather all things together in one, in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1. Now, we have to know the divine appointments of God with man, for no man knows the day or the hour of Jesus' coming. But it's given to us to know the times and the seasons. That is in 1 Thessalonians 5. And that feast of Passover, Jesus died. How do we get into it? 
Well, the first step is repent. But godly sorrow works with repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. Repentance alone is not salvation. We must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Very important and essential for those that are perfect. They're following the Lord and eating His flesh and drinking His blood in order to have and see this hidden mystery and to have the understanding of it, to obtain it, to appropriate it. Not to believe means to trust in, adhere to, and obey it. Not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And this is very essential, and in the urgency of it is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him, John, to show, to reveal, and to his servants things, those things of faith, that faith that was once delivered to the saints that we're to be earnestly contending for. And the earnestly means with diligently seeking with all of our heart. What are these things? The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him, John, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Sent and signified it. There's your sign, which will ultimately be the sealing. Signified by his angel unto John. That blessed are those that hear and keep the sayings of this book, the book of this prophecy. To understand the book of this prophecy, we have to have the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10, which will reveal the hidden mystery of wisdom. The hidden wisdom, which we know is in Christ. But to be in Christ means that we're walking in the light as he's in the light. Not to walk in the present truth of the preceding word of God from throne room revelation is to be backslidden. And we find that to that first church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write. And it says, These things saith, Jesus is giving the proceeding word of God to each of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. The book of the Revelation is a book of sevens. Matter of fact, the Feast of Tabernacles is the Feast of Ingathering, is the Feast of Sevens, is the Feast of Shiva, is the Feast of Prophecy, because the book of this prophecy, and it is the Feast of All Feasts. There it's given to us to know these things. But to know them, we have to seek God with all of the heart. And in Revelation 10, the seven thunders uttered their voices. John was about to write, but God's not going to reveal it like that. He's not going to just freely throw it out there for the world and the wisdom of the world to stomp on it and throw it before swine for all that in the world, the love of the world, if you have the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away. 
with the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth the will of God abideth forever. Doing the will of God requires a higher ceiling than just newborn babes or little children. They're writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and you've known the Father. You know that Jesus is the Father. But still, it's not the ceiling of the Revelation 2, Revelation 3 overcomers and ultimately the Father's uh, that will be sealed in Revelation 7. There has to be a growth process. And how do we do that? By eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking the blood of that Son of Man, which is the kingdom office of the Spirit of God. Well, Jesus fulfilled all on the cross. But what does it mean for us to obtain it? Well, that's where the wisdom comes in. That's where the knowledge comes in. And we add to have to add to our faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge, then we have to go to uh, temperance. Temperance is self-control. Uh, those that strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. Temperance, patience. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. That you may receive a full reward. But let patience have her perfect work. Then from patience to godliness, that's the God life. Godliness, and that is all done and paid for in that mystery, the mystery of godliness. And that is 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God, there's the height, Christ himself, was manifest in the flesh. That's his humiliation. That's the depth. Justified in the spirit. See, he's declared to be the son of God through the spirit by the resurrection from the dead. They've justified the spirit. He's seen of angels. He's preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world that Jesus is the Christ that is the Messiah. God manifest in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. The Yeshua HaMashiach that should come, die for the sin of the world, be buried and rise again and go back to his former glory. It's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. He comes down in a humiliated state from the height down to the depth. He becomes a man takes upon him the form of a servant. We are taught that's two different people. One God, but two persons. And that's a gross error. Matter of fact, it can cost us salvation. Why? Because God is that servant. We find it in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, this mystery, how God did it. It's that mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. It is a mystery, that mystery of godliness, the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. The height, he is God. Depth, he became a man. And then the length and, and the breadth, he's in us, the body of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There we have that mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. 
And it's through this revelation of Christ that we go on unto perfection where we will have an eternal Sabbath, a sabbatical, an eternal rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are admonished in Hebrews 4, take heed lest a singular, singular promise, lest a promise slip any of you, you should seem to come short of entering into his rest, not rest of the world, but the rest which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. If Jesus had given them rest, he would have not have spoken of another day. He spoke of another day. Jesus said the time is coming, and now is. When those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. The voice of the Son of God is progressive. It is from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are told that whom he did foreknow to the foreknowledge of God, them he did predestinate. Predestinated to what? Predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he did predestinate, them he also called. Many are called, few chosen. And them that he called, he also justified. Justification by faith. And those that he justified, he also glorified. There's your final glorification. Our vile body being fashioned like unto his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things into himself. Their glorification to the image of Jesus Christ. So he expects us, to them that are perfect, to have and know this hidden mystery, this hidden wisdom. Well, we have to know the feast of the Lord to eat that flesh and drink the blood to grow up into him in all things that we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. For in the last days, 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith. They were in it, but they departed from it. Why? Given heed to seducing spirits. Doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Somebody said, I'm not against marriage. I'm not forbidding to marry, abstaining from meats. What if we look at that on the spiritual side? Forbidding to marry. That is Beulah, married to the Lord. They stand as a hindrance in the door. They won't go in, but they literally stop others from going in and literally are an offense to those that would go in to be married to our Lord Jesus Christ as the bride of Christ, as born-again believers. 
espoused through our Lord Jesus Christ. Abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Well, the natural, we understand that. Abstaining from things offered to idols. We understand that. But what's the meat of the word of God? Jesus said, have you children, have you any meat? And they looked at each other, the disciples saying, well, did you, did you get the meat? He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So we're talking about this hidden mystery, this hidden wisdom of God. And it's revealed to those now that have an ear to hear. Now, what exactly is it? Well, it's the work of the ministry. Well, exactly what is that? Somebody said, well, I know there's some great thing coming. There's revival again. No, there's not revival again. Somebody said, there's not revival? No, something far, far greater than revival. Far, far greater. For God said, I'll do a new thing. A radical change in the church that only those that are walking in the light, in the fullness of it, in that knowledge of the Son of God will see it. The others will be totally against it, saying it's not God. It won't it will not seem right to them based upon a Pentecostal revelation. They'll say, What are you talking about? I mean, you're saved, you're saved, that's it. No. We have to walk in the light as he's in the light. And if God's doing a new thing and we step back in a grove and build a grove where God used to move, then we're not pleasing to the Lord. We have to go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. We have to grow up into him in all things. That is all truth. And we have an unction from the Holy One. 1 John 2.20 And you know all things and you know all truth and no lies of the truth. Somebody said, I don't know all things. The Holy Ghost does. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, will get you there. If, if you sanctify yourself, have your conscience purged from dead works to serve the living God, and then you will become a vessel meet for the master's use. If we crucify the flesh with the affection and the lust growing up into him in all things, it requires a total consecration, dedication, which is sanctification through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So that's where we are now. Now on the 19th of January, 2019, the Lord spoke to me after coming out of a service that we had been preaching in a Messiah tribal church in Transmara, Kenya, Africa. And after about four hours there, we're coming back from the morning service in the afternoon. It's about two, between two and three. And after jumping over a ditch to go to the vehicle, the Lord, the Holy Ghost hit me. And that visitation lasted for about two hours. The word of the Lord basically said, Seal my people by my word. As the angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. Now, this is not for any of our righteousness or any of our holiness that God does this. 
We're just simply a shoe shine boy. We pop the rack, shine your shoes. We're sinners saved by grace. Oh, somebody said, oh, no, don't say you're a sinner saved by grace. Well, if any man said he has not sinned, the truth is not in him. The only sinless man there ever was, Jesus Christ. There, Paul, whenever he first came into the Lord, Damascus Road, he starts preaching the gospel. He said, you know, that Paul, the least of the apostles. A little later on down the road, he said uh, uh, there that that uh, least of all saints. Then he noticed that Paul, at the end of his life, he's on the Via Ossiensis. He's going to have his head chopped off. He knows his departure's at hand. And at that time, he said, this is a, a worthy exception to be received of all, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul, chiefest among sinners, and this is the broken and contrite spirit, that which is the mind of Christ that we must have in Revelation 7 to receive that sealing. Because we have to have that mind of Christ, and that mind of Christ is a sealing of it, of the servants of our God in their forehead. Seal the servants of our God in their forehead, and the hurt the number of them that were sealed, and uh, that was 12,000. Each of the 12 tribes are 144,000. R-M-B-1000. Now, with the ceiling there, we have it written, not 144, but R-M-D. Three symbols of the Greek ABC theory. R-100. M-40. D-4. Thousand. Well, why a thousand? Because Solomon has a vineyard in Baal Haman. Song 8, Canticles 8. Solomon has a vineyard in Baal Haman. Of course, we are God's vineyard. We're God's planting. We understand that. And Solomon, speaking of uh, that kingdom that's coming in the earth for 1,000 years, where Jesus was set upon the throne of David and reign a thousand years in the earth. Fulfilling Psalm 132.11, the Lord has sworn in truth to David and will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body, David, will I, God Almighty, set upon thy throne. And that's a promise to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, etc., that God will restore the kingdom again to Israel, and that is the millennial kingdom age and that dispensation of the kingdom where Christ will reign and we will reign with Christ. That's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus as kings and priests, and we will reign with him in the earth. To know that mystery, to know that hidden wisdom, he says, I speak to them that are perfect, 1 Corinthians 2. Well, how do we get to that state? And who says we're there? Well, the feast of the Lord is how we feed the inner man. These are the divine appointments of God with man, but they eat the flesh of Jesus 
and to drink his blood, we must go to the feast, the feast of the Lord. We're fellow to labors together with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we feast on him. And these feasts are feasts of charity. How do we get to charity? Charity is the bond of perfectness, to be perfect. In, sight, in God's sight, and not in the world's sight, but in God's sight. God's the one that, perf- that knows the reins of the heart and says they're perfect. That charity will cover a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. Why? Because it is the final step in a broken, contrite spirit walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, which is not love. That has been stated, well, charity is just love, agape, and that love is God's love, and so if you have love, that's it. Well, it's more than that. Charity is not just love. God is love. But charity is a love for God based in the Word of God, in doing His will. Charity is doing the will of God in your life. So charity then, by doing the will of God, is going to cover a multitude of sins. It is the bond or guarantee of perfectness, the Bible says. That feast of the Lord is how we eat the flesh of Jesus and drink the blood of him, of the Son of Man, feeding the inner man, though the outward man perishing. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day through the daily bread, eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. The bread is his body. The wine is is the blood. And we're to drink it. And these are through obedience to the feast of the Lord, not the feast of Israel, not the feast of the church, but the feast of the Lord. There we go. Let's check a look at the feast. The feast, the first season has three feasts. Feast of unleavened bread, feast of, feast of first of all, Passover, feast of unleavened bread, feast of first fruits. How do we get into the feast of Passover? Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. We do that through repentance. Peter having the keys to the kingdom and having the revelation of Christ, knowing the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, that name being singular, the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, having that mystery that he wrote in his epistle in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, and being given the keys to the kingdom in Matthew 16, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, Isaiah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then Jesus said, but who do you say I am. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Christ is God. Christ is that Spirit that would manifest in the earth with Emmanuel, God with us. He's God manifest. Well, 
Jesus said, Simon Bar-Jonah, call him his earthly name. Simon, to hear, to understand. Bar, Chaldean, for son, Jonah. Loving. He called him by his earthly name. Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Thou art Peter, Petros, a piece of that rock, that rock. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind upon earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose upon earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter then having the keys to the kingdom. And we find that Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, showing his four faces. Matthew, the line of the tribe of Judah, the face of the lion. Then in Mark, the perfect man, spotless blameless. Then in Luke, the suffering servant, the ox. And John, the eagle. The four faces of Jesus, there, the lion, man, ox, and eagle, being the gospel according to Matthew, gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. And we see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus there. The book of Acts is going to carry us from the Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, to the Feast of Weeks, our Feast of Pentecost. Well, Jesus, whenever the preparation for the sacrifice for the Lamb to be slain, on the preparation, Jesus had his hands spread, nailed to a cross, and his feet nailed. And dying at the same time of the preparation for the Passover. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. And there he's fulfilling Passover. Literally every feast in the days of his flesh. Then he dies. He is then buried. Unleavened bread. Feast of unleavened bread. And there's no leaven in it. Perfect, spotless, blameless. Well, Romans 1, 3. Uh, he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. So three days. That's that Jesus is in the tomb. That Spirit goes through his human body, rational soul, and human spirit. And not one thing was amiss. Everything was perfect, spotless, and blameless. And he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. For there was nothing worthy of death to hold the man, Christ Jesus. And he rose from the dead, feast of first fruits. There's a death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. First season, three feasts. How do we get into it? Well, Peter had the keys of the kingdom. How do we eat the flesh, drink the blood of Jesus, which are shadow of things to come. Peter having the keys of the kingdom, there, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they've already had the feast of Passover, 
Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Death, Burial, and Resurrection, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was seen alive after his passion by as many as up to 500 brethren at one time for 40 days. Well, you would number seven weeks, seven sevens, seven shebas from first fruits and on the morrow. That'd be 50 days. Pentecost, 50 days. And then on the morrow would be the Feast of Pentecost with leaven. Two wave sheaves with leaven. Why? Because the church will have leaven in them. Well, Jesus had already fulfilled the death, burial, and resurrection. And Pentecost then on that day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, not one second late, not one second early, when it was fully come, according to God's calendar, God's appointment with mankind, right exactly on the day of Pentecost, then suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire appeared, sat on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 2, 4. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. This is not some tongue you learned and somebody said, well, just speak any kind of battle you want to. Again, then you've got the Spirit of God. No. It's birthed in your spirit. Not with your intellect. And that requires a travail in the soul to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid sometimes we tell people they have the Holy Ghost when they have never had that power of God manifest in their life with the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues. And, and the power of the Holy Ghost Christ in you, the leading and guiding of the Holy Ghost, which is holy. Someone lying, cheating, stealing, and saying they are walking in the light of Jesus and the light are liars. The Holy Ghost is holy. Therefore, we ought to walk as Jesus walked in the light. Therefore, how do we get into it? Well, at Pentecost was fully calm. We don't know yet how to get into it. And Peter, who has the keys of the kingdom, they are drunken, not with wine as you suppose, seeing it's third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is that. Paul said, I'm trying, trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of God. That, that I am, that I am. The Lord is that spirit. And they ask, and they ask, in Acts 2, 37, men and brethren, what must we do? They don't know what to do. Peter, who had the keys of the kingdom, said, standing up along with the other 11, said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name. Somebody said, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? No. The name of the Father, that mystery of the Father, is 
Jesus. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Father, I've manifested your name, John 17. He comes in Jerusalem on, the, on a coat, the fowl of an ass. And he said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus. Jehovah's salvation, not Jehovah Junior. We believe in the name of the Son of God. For the Son of God is the Father revealed. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? The words that I speak are not mine, but the Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently. In me, he's the one doing the work. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, know ye, the kingdom of God's come nigh unto you. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. John 8, 13 through 27. In John 8, 24, they said, Where's your Father? Jesus said in John 8, 24, Except you believe that I am He, the Father. He nailed it right there. Specifically stating, He is the Father. Except you believe that I, the man, am He, the Father. You shall die in your sins. This they understood not. He spake to them of the Father. They still do not understand that today. And this is a mystery that is revealed to those of a pure heart. It's the beginning. It is that fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. And that requires not only repentance, that's the death. But you have to be born again. What? Know you not that as many as were baptized were baptized into Christ's death? That like as God raised him from the dead, so you will be raised to the newness of life. Romans 6, 4, that the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. How? By water baptism. And that is required to be born of the water. It's water baptism in the name of Jesus. You'll see that in Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16, Acts 10, Acts 19, all the way through. Peter and the early church telling us and showing us in that embryonic church what is required to be born again. And we see that in Acts the 10th chapter, we have Cornelius of the Italian band. Well, the gospel is preached to the Jew, Jew first, then to the Gentile, the Greek. Well, Cornelius has not heard, but he's given much alms deed They've, uh, for God as a memorial. His prayers and offerings has come up as a memorial before God. Peter is sent down there to the house of Cornelius and as he does he's preaching Jesus Christ. Now here's an Italian band not of the house of Israel not God's chosen people. And while he's preaching Jesus Christ the Holy Ghost falls on them and they receive the Holy Ghost. How did Peter know that? For he heard them speak with tongues 
and magnified God. And magnified God. He heard him speaking in other tongues. He heard him speaking in tongues. Then he said, well, now you have repented and now you have been baptized with that spirit. You that are born of the spirit now. But they hadn't been born of the water. Well, Peter didn't say, well, that's okay. You've got the Holy Ghost now, so the Spirit Christ is in you, so don't worry about it. No, he said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them, not a suggestion. You've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. Well, they got the Spirit first. Well, you still have to be born of the water. So repent, repentance is not salvation. It worketh salvation. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, but it's not salvation. It works repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. We're going to see that also with Paul with certain brethren in Acts 19 chapter. This is the mystery. It's the beginning of wisdom. But there's much more to come in the fullness of it. But we must first take the steps from babies to little children. That's ceiling. Make sure we've got that. Because if we don't have that right foundation, we can forget about how we build the house on it. Because it will fall when a storm comes, the rain and the floods beat against it. When evil comes in like a flood. We have to have that foundation which is Christ. But how did we get it? Well, their house of Cornelius, the Holy Ghost fell, they received the Holy Ghost. Then Peter said, Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now they're born of the water and the Spirit. They received born of the Spirit first and then they were born of the water. We were born again. Now let's take another case. Acts the 19th chapter. Paul comes upon certain brothers. Apollos, Apollos, the silver tongue orator from Alexandria has been through there preaching the word of God that, that he knows, which was John the Baptist's baptism, which was simply repentance. Like most of the churches today say, well, just repentance is salvation, and that's all there is to it. Well, certainly repentance is definitely requirement. It is definitely a step, but it is not salvation. That's where we've been misled. Somebody said, well, it's a simple gospel. It is simple, but it has to be obeyed. You must be born of the water and the Spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand that in John 3. He said, Jesus said, are you a rabbi teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? Except the man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Well, Nicodemus said, how is a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? How can that be? Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh. This is not a fleshly water. 
are fleshly born of the spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, Peter having the keys of the kingdom is going to show us how to be born of the water and of the spirit. They're pricked in their heart. They've heard the word of God. Peter preaching along with the other 11. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter said, repent, Acts 2.38. First thing you do is repent. That is the feast of Passover. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. His name, it's all Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, that is the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Not different persons, but different functions of that one Spirit. Father's administrative office of that one Spirit of God. That one person, not three, one. The Word of God is the expression office of that same Spirit. It reveals the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God. One. Not two, not three persons, one. The Holy Ghost is the power office of that same Spirit. Only one Spirit. That Spirit is invisible. But the Son of God is the Father made visible. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, revealed him. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that name is Jesus, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, Jesus. So Peter, having that revelation of God and of the Father of Christ, having the revelation of the name, no other name, under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus, Acts, Acts 4.12. Peter said, repent. There's a that feast of Passover. And be baptized. Feast of unleavened bread. Buried with Jesus in baptism. Now you've had the feast of unleavened bread. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. Somebody said, well, my Bible says because your sins are remitted. No, you need to go back to the original manuscript for the remission of your sins. And that's Romans 6, verse 4. That's Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. And you're complete in him, have need of nothing else, in whom you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Circumcised means to cut. What are we cutting off? The body of the sins of the flesh, Colossians 2.10. How? Through that operation made without hands. It's not a natural, it's a spiritual. That operation made without hands in that circumcision of Christ, cutting off the body of the sins of the flesh. How? Colossians 2.12. By baptism, born of the water. 
Somebody said, that's not faith. Yes, it is. Through faith in the operation of God. What operation? Well, if you have a doctor and he's going to perform an operation, a circumcision made without hands, you've got a spiritual scaffold. And you've got the heart of the heart in the spirit, which is Romans 2, 28 and 29. He is not a Jew that is one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh. It's not a natural circumcision. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, that inward man, that spirit that you have. So you can believe with your heart, not with your mind. Believe in your heart. How do you believe in your heart? Heart has to be circumcised. You can't do it. Repentance doesn't do it. Baptism doesn't. And baptism is a spiritual circumcision of the heart. He is not a Jew that is one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh, but he is a Jew that is one inwardly, that inward man. Well, how are you going to circumcise that heart of the inward man? That circumcision of the heart in the spirit, little s, whose praise is not a man but of God, Romans 2, 28 and 29. Romans 6, 1 through 4 tells you how. What know you not? The many were baptized, were baptized into Christ's death. There's your feast of unleavened bread. How did you get with him? Baptism. Colossians 2, 12, by baptism, through the circumcision of Christ, through faith in the operation of God, when he raised him from the dead. What operation? God took a spiritual scalpel because you believe in that God raised him from the dead. You believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. How do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Through circumcision. By baptism. That's how you believe. You believe with your heart. Heart has to be circumcised in the spirit. Romans 2, 28 and 29. How did you do that? Somebody said, well, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. That's not, asking is not how you get it. They didn't say, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Nowhere in the word of God. Well, I surrendered my life. Well, surrender, that's wonderful, but that's not circumcision of the heart. There's only one way to have the heart in the spirit circumcised or the body of the sins of the flesh cut off is by baptism. And that's exactly what Paul tells us. After the mystery of God, the Father, and Christ in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9, then he tells us in verse 10 through 12, this is how you do it. This is how you get into that mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Then you're complete in him, have need of nothing else. That Colossians 2, 10, how? That the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. And the question there again is how? Well, it's through faith in this operation of God. What operation? God takes a spiritual scaffold when you go under invoking the name of Jesus and cuts off the foreskin of your heart. Now, all the sins of the flesh are there in the heart. He cuts off that body of the sins of the flesh by baptism. That's through faith in the operation of God that raised him from the dead. But it's a circumcision made without hands. It's a circumcision of Christ. How? 
not by asking Jesus to come into your heart, not by saying the sinner's prayer, not saying, well, that's you're going to feel if you have repented, truly repented, you have taken the first feast of the Lord. You're going to feel great. You repented. But that is not all. I remember I had repented many uh, years ago in a Baptist church and a true repentance. October the 15th, 1975. I felt great. I felt uh, wonderful. I thought, well, I, I, this is great. But then, I, a year later, I was called to preach. I never thought or imagined I was called to preach. And while I was with another minister listening to the Word of God, another minister was up on the platform and sang a song and then said, if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to bust hell wide open. Well, it liked to knock me off of that bench. I was on a, an organ bench, a B3 Hammond organ. Like to knock me off the bench. And I said, what is this? Baptize. Baptism in the name of Jesus. I've never heard that. And so I thought, well, I've, I've got to get this done. I didn't know that. And he quoted Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Born of the Spirit. So I got a hold of that preacher that night. And I said, look. Uh, we were in a meeting together. I said, you got to baptize me tonight. So he took me to a riverbed in uh, Columbia, Mississippi, and baptized me at 1.15 a.m. in the morning in a, in a riverbed in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, now don't uh, think the heavens are going to open up and choirs are going to sing. And that's okay, but I just, I know this is the word of God. I want to do it. And whenever I went under in the name of Jesus Christ and came back up, then the blues were bluer. The colors were more vivid. And I thought, this is great. Well, I'd had a, a good experience in just repentance, but now this was something else. <laughs> so I went back to the motel room that night and opened my Bible just to see, well, did I feel different? And it seemed like, to me, the Bible, the, the words just come off of the pages. It was enlightened. Why? Because the body, the sins of the flesh, that screen, that, that darkness was gone. The body, the sins of the flesh were destroyed. Well, that wasn't done by, by repentance. I didn't know that. I was raised a Baptist. But when I did it, and was obedient to Acts 2.38, well, then I saw there was, oh, my, my God, I, I wish I'd have heard this before. I was 27, actually 28 years old at that time. Came into God in repentance in 20, when I was 27 in 1975. Then it was in uh, 76, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. A year later, then the scriptures opened. And oh, I sat up the whole night reading the Bible because it was it was so wonderful. It was like the veil had been taken away. And that body of the sins of the flesh was destroyed by baptism. And not 
Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I'd been baptized Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but I'd never taken on the name. And because of that, when I took on that name, Jesus Christ, many has been baptized into Christ, has put on Christ, then I realized this is really the baptism is for the remission of your sins. And that light now shines so, so brighter. As you have a good experience in, in repentance. Nobody can take that away from you. But to go on to perfection in obedience to God and eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood, we have to obey that Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, and Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Receive that Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory, with the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues. Don't let anybody tell you and give you the Holy Ghost. You receive that Holy Ghost from God Almighty, and it is through seeking there, and that true Holy Ghost is born just like you would uh, a baby. A woman travails in pain to be delivered, and it bursts out in here in you. The true Holy Ghost is holy. It doesn't lie, cheat, and steal. It doesn't cuss or swear. It is holy. It's an unction from God, the unction from the Holy One. And the voice says, Here ye is the way, the true way. Walk ye in it. All you have to do is obey. So the first three feasts of the Lord is repentance. Thank God for that. Necessary. Can't just get back. You have to repent. Have a change of mind. I'm going to live for God. Repent. A total 180 change. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Feast of Unleavened Bread. You're buried with Jesus. Dead flat. And because God rose him from the dead, you're raised a new creature. How can you be a new creature? Because the body and the sins of the flesh have been cut off. You will feel like you can fly. <laughs> Oh, what a wonderful experience. And then, go on to the next season, or the first fe- fourth feast of the Lord, and receive ye the Holy Ghost. The power of God unto salvation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, Paul said, he's none of his. But if the Spirit dwelleth in you, that was in, also in Christ Jesus, it shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body. Now, there's your first four feasts. Now, making sure that we've done this is not just repentance, not baptized Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We had not taken on a name. Let's take a look at Acts 19. So, we make sure that we've covered the first four feasts. We have to make sure that we are in Christ and Christ in us. Let's be, we be reprobates. And Acts the 19th chapter, Paul comes upon certain brethren. And Paul notices. He doesn't see the, the uh, demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost among these brethren. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You believed, you've repented. But you stop there. You need to go on to get the Holy Ghost. That's your power to live this thing. That's the power of God unto salvation. 
that your faith stands not in word, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Well, he said, sirs, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Paul then said, unto them, what were you baptized? Because if you were baptized, you in the true born of the water and spirit, you should have the Holy Ghost. Unto them, what were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism, under John the Baptist. Well, Paul said, John truly did baptize with water unto repentance. They had repentance done. That they should look on him that should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. That's the reason John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. And he it is that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and that with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly, literally, not thoroughly, but throughly purge his floor. That's how you have your conscience purged from dead works to serve the living gods through the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ himself. Well, Paul said, have you ever seen the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they looked at Paul, we don't even know what you're talking about. We don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. I don't know what you're talking about. Paul said, and then what were you baptized? This is in your Bible, Acts the 19th chapter. And then what were you baptized? Under John's baptism. Well, Paul didn't say that's wrong. He said, John truly did baptize with water under repentance. You have already repented. Wonderful. But that's not salvation. Saying that you should look on him that would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. And then he preached to them Jesus Christ, the same thing that Peter preached, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're now you're born of the water, repentance in the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost born of the Spirit. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and spake with other tongues, and prophesied. And see, it's more than just repentance. But we're told, you're saved with repentance, not so. There's seven feasts of the Lord. And many of us, have repented, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, born of the water. And we have received the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit, according to Acts 2.38. We're Pentecostals. But now the light is shining further on down the road in present truth in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we are setting back in a Pentecostal mode and the new wine is cut off from us because we're not going on 
in the feast of the Lord in his divine appointments with us and we're not listening to the voice of the Lord. There remains, if you've only repented, go on and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Feast of unleavened bread. Eat that flesh of Jesus and drink his blood there for the remission of your sins. Born of the water. Then you're raised in the newness of life. Why? Because that body that sins of the flesh is, is cut off. It's destroyed by baptism. And uh, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promises unto you, to your children, to them that are far off, to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, you're born of the water and the Spirit. You have partaken of the first four feasts of the Lord. There remains three more feasts. We are in the Feast of Trumpets now. We are in the third day. And this is that mystery of wisdom, that hidden wisdom, which is all in Christ, by Christ and through Christ in you, the hope of glory. Preparing us for the work of the ministry. What is that? That Feast of Trumpets. That Feast of Trumpets at Rosh Hashanah is the ministry voice of Jesus. Jesus said the time is coming and now is when those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. That voice is the voice let him that hath understanding. That understanding is how we're going to be understanding and count the number of the beasts where we will not be deceived in the, in the last days. It's through that understanding and wisdom. Here's a mind that hath wisdom that we will not be deceived through these uh, doctrines of devils, these seducing spirits that will come upon the earth in the last days. And it's God himself sending it because we received not the love of the truth that we might be saved but had pleasure in unrighteousness. For this reason, God himself will send strong delusion that they all might be damned who received not the love of the truth that they might be saved but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we must eat the, these feasts eat the flesh of Jesus, drink his blood through these feasts of the Lord. We're in the Feast of Trumpets now. How do we know that? Well, in Hosea 6, verse 1 through 4, tells us, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn. He will heal us. Not the devil. God. In Deuteronomy 32, God says, I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal. Shall there be evil in the city and I, the Lord God, have not done it? I cause it to rain upon one city and not upon another. God has his way in the wind and in the whirlwind, not the devil. We have been fearful, uh, more fearful of the devil than what we are. We're to fear God. Don't fear that devil who has only power to... to uh, kill the body. Fear him that's able to kill the body and destroy 
the soul in hell. That's who we fear. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And how do we do that? Please God through obedience. So, whosoever we yield our members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death. That's carnally minded. To be carnally minded is life, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. The spiritual minded is we yield our members of obedience unto righteousness. There which will yield the fruits of holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. So tune into the podcast. We want to make sure that we have covered essentially the first four feasts of the Lord before we go into the next feast in this third season, which we are now in. Because Hosea 6 tells us, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. Second day, well, that's a day with the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. Well, after the second day, he will revive us. Then we've had many revivals through the years. Great moves of God. But now there's a pause as God changes gears from Pentecost to Tabernacleist, from Pentecostals to Tabernacleist, to the new thing that God is doing. After the second day, I'll really revive you. Will thou not revive us in the midst of the years, O God? But now we're in the third day. And in the third day, we're in 2020. And if we take 3 BC, where the Lord was born three years before, we're well into that third day. Actually, 2023. So we see... He said, and in the third day, God's going to do something. In that third day, I'm going to raise you up and you will live in my sight. In God's sight. Yes, when that which is perfect has come, all these things which are in part will be done away with. Then we will know even as we're known of him. That's the reign of charity. Charity that will cover a multitude of sins. Charity is the bond of perfectness. And you've added to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, that God life. But then godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity, which is doing the will of God because you love God based in doing His will. And those that love God keep His commandments. But these will have something that the others do not, that we're approaching in a new thing which is called the testimony of Jesus. And we find what the testimony of Jesus is. It's not the candlestick in the sanctuary, a holy place, giving light over against the shoe bread. But he talks about these cherubim of glory overshadowing, shadowing the mercy seat. Paul said, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Why? Because he was in a Pentecostal season. 
But now, we're coming into that reign of the Holy Ghost. That time of the last great reign of his strength. For those who have an ear to hear, for those who understand and know the hidden mystery, the hidden wisdom of God. And he talks about that hidden wisdom is that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart the things that God hath prepared for them that love him, but is revealed by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And that's what we're getting into in the podcast. Friend, neighbor, believer, the brother, sister, make sure that we've done the first four feasts there that we can all be full of labors together in a feast of unleavened, the feast of Passover first, that is repentance. Now, if you've done that, you have re- repented. Wonderful thing you've done. Now go to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Eat that flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. What? Baptized into his death. What? In the name of Jesus Christ. Take on his name. Paul, we find that there on the Damascus Road, he had uh, uh, the four things that, the, that Paul had done. Number one, he sees a great light. God is lightning in him. as no darkness at all. That light was so bright it blinded him on the Damascus Road. Then second thing, he said, who are you, Lord? He's seen that bright light. He's seen the Lord. Then he says, Who art thou, Lord? Said, I am Jesus. He's had the revelation of the name of Jesus, that Jesus is that God. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, Paul. Then, Who art thou, Lord? He's had the revelation of the name of Jesus. Then, He is told his calling as an example of long-suffering that he will be a minister of the gospel to the world, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. He knows his calling. He's seen God. He knows the name of God, and he knows his calling, and he's blinded. Ananias comes to him, said, Brother Saul, I've sent for you to receive your sight. There's a man that has seen God, has a revelation of God, what his name is, Jesus. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He knows the call upon his life to preach, and he is healed of his blindness. Then, after those four things, he's still not saved. Then Ananias says to Brother Saul, turn Paul, who wrote 14 books of the New Testament out of 27 books, and said, Brother Saul, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins. Washing away your sins, he's already seen the Lord, has a revelation of the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God himself, Jesus. He knows his call is to preach. He's healed of his blindness, and his sins are still there. 
Brother Saul, why tarryest thou? Why are you waiting around? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Paul was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after he had seen the Lord, knew his name, knew his call, and healed of blindness, and still had to be born of that water washing away his sins, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's make sure that we've done our first four feasts, make sure that we have eaten the flesh and drank the blood of Jesus, and feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, feast of first fruits, and feast at Pentecost, repent, and baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit, taken care of for feast of the Lord. Stay with us there. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as we get into the work of the ministry and the great revelation of Jesus that is here upon us for in the third day uh, you will live in my sight. I will raise you up and you will live in my sight. If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He will come to us as the rain. The former, the book of Acts is the former rain. And the latter, the latter rain is the last great rain of his strength. That's where we're headed for the work of the ministry. Friend, neighbor, brothers, sisters, tune in. Tune into the podcast, Sealing God's People, as we make sure that we're going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and to a perfect man, that we all may be presented blameless at his coming, both spirit, soul, and body. Praise God, neighbor. We want to invite you, and literally encourage you to give us a call for, as you can see on your screen, we are set up to do and outreach and evangelizing the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ for the sealing of God's people here in the last days. You'll see that we have a tractor-trailer rig, and on that rig is a tent, a gospel tent, that will seat up to 3,000 people. Now, don't let that discourage you because it can be set up to where it will be uh, a tent size for 300 people or 500 or 1,000 or up to 3,000. We have the instruments, we have the chairs, we have the gospel tent that if you would like a gospel tent meeting in your area where we can do social distancing, setting the chairs eight feet apart, not six, but eight feet apart, several rows and still get in over 1,500 people and social distancing. We can bring it to your area. If you would like to hear that Jesus only doctrine of Christ, the sealing of God's people, where we are now in prophecy and eschatology, in that last day work of the ministry, give us a call. That is Dennis Beard at DennisBeard.org. That's our website, www.dennisbeard.org or sealinggodspeople.org. And let us hear from you. We'd like to talk to you. We can talk about where you would like to have a tent revival 
Or maybe you would like just to say, well, brother, come to the church. Bring this to the meeting at the church. We'd love to hear from you. Well, let us hear from you. Give us a call. The number's on the screen. You'll see we have our own motor home. We can drive to you anywhere in the United States. There also with the tent, with the tractor trailer rig, and our team of ministers that we bring there to your town, your city, to your state. So if the Lord deals with you, don't hesitate. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to have a gospel tent meeting or meet there and have a meeting in a meeting room or your church. Give us a call. Contact us at dinnerspirit.org, sealinggodspeople.org, and we'd love to hear from you. Let's talk. Let's meet. The body of Christ is coming together greater than it ever has before in the work of the ministry, in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.